As an avid follower of the Evidence-Based Education podcast, you may already be aware that the Research Support Partnership, or RSP, is one of the ways in which we help schools access and use research evidence in order to improve decision-making for the pupils in their care. However, one question that we often get asked is, what will an RSP actually help me be able to do? In 2017, we ran a very successful RSP with Suffolk County Council and with a number of schools in the area. And on the last day, participants sat down and spoke to us about their experiences. First, Maria Howe of the School to School Partnership at Suffolk County Council explained the rationale for running an RSP in that area and how it fit with priorities at the time. The Research School Partnership project was born out of um, a need to consider where we were as a county with the projects that we'd initiated, um, where some of them had been successful, and we had a choice whether to just say, well, well done, you've met your stretch targets, or actually, is there some good practice in here that could be shared out more widely? And if so, are we sure that it would be replicated effectively? Um, and how would we go about doing that? So. Really, it was about making sure that those um, professionals that were involved in those projects understood the mechanisms by which they got to the place that they got to and to really start to grow um, a cohort of teachers and leaders within our school-to-school support partnership and beyond that had a thirst to put things in that were credible, honest, thorough, and really could have an impact. And they understood exactly how they could have an impact, not just, well, it worked then, but we had the money then to do it, and now we've forgotten about it. It was actually, okay, so could it work again? Were the things in it that actually can't be reproduced anywhere? Um, and we wouldn't know. So that's why we really wanted to get... And it was no good us doing it as a, as a Suffolk uh, Suffolk County Council with our officers because it really needed to be led by the teaching schools and by professionals, school leaders in those places that really have the face-to-face -face interaction with children. The um, Challenge Fund had been running for three run, uh, rounds. It had three rounds already before we got involved with the EEF, mm -hmm. um, which was when we first started looking at more evidence-based approaches because we realised the initial Challenge Fund, one, the take-up was very low. Um, and to the impact, we, we weren't seeing impact. So we wanted to go down an evidence-based route, so hence our partnership with the EEF initially. Um, and 120-something schools, 124 schools, I think it was, um, actually signed up for those interventions. And so took the training, and then we're obviously looking into um, the mechanisms and the impact of actually what those interventions have, have meant in Suffolk. So... That kind of brought around in this in in the raising of our strategies that's now at its end was really a sense of um, we'd got the school to school support partnership we'd started to give more of a lead to teaching schools and ask them to take over the school improvement in terms of delivery um, and the research school which then was funded by EF and raising the bar challenge fund um, was really sort of starting literally within a few months of the first research schools um, because that hadn't really hit Suffolk at all. Um, nobody had applied for one, nobody was 
really very aware. So when we first started on the journey with EEF around research school, it was an, an idea and a dream, really, a vision to have a desire within teachers to understand what works in their school, what didn't work in their school, why, etc., etc., to get them to lead things from a more research-based, evidence-based approach rather than picking up the latest fad and then dropping it and, and having that responsibility sitting within the teaching staff themselves um, to encourage a, um, a culture, if you like, in Suffolk of innovation and curiosity. So that's where the vision went to. Um, but it was kind of, it, it was really around that collaboration, building those collaborations that was devoid of um, perhaps systems and processes that sat outside, but would be there as sort of leading from the teachers, the professionals in front of our Suffolk children. During that raising the bar um, period, we were in a time where the curriculum changed completely, which led it gives opportunities as well as it gives challenges. And it was about owning that, uh, giving, sort of facilitating the ownership of that change and what education could look like for those children. Um, rather than what we were getting back was a, a sort of sense of being led by massive curriculum change and perhaps professional development within staff was led by um, learning new syllabus rather than actually understanding and going back to pedagogy and understanding what's working in the classroom. It's been a time of monumental change and it's, it's finding where you can put down some root um, to sort of separate that from the maelstrom of, of national changes. However, what has happened is through this project is we're now starting to see, um, I mean, this project first had its um, roots probably beginning of this year but since then we've seen the advent of the TLIF, the SIF, the emerging um, emergency funds etc etc which are asking teachers and teaching schools to produce an evidence base of what they're doing and were it not for the work that we're doing we'd have well our teaching schools for a start would not be really up to speed on that in terms of the training so I'm hoping we're a little bit ahead of the curve. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that all sounded really positive from Maria. So I asked her, where's it going now? Well, we're now drafting um, our 2018-2020 model. And one of the things that we've got in there um, for raising the bar is to foster that innovation um, and extend this partnership and see where it takes us, really. But build in what we would like it to look like at the end. Um, knowing what we know now about the funding models that are moving and you know, increasing the capacity of the partnership of teaching schools across Suffolk and the two research schools in Suffolk to actually um, support a more teacher-led, curiosity, evidence-based-led approach to teaching and learning. So um, what we want to see is that teachers in all phases... Um, and in all settings um, are driven by a passion for knowing what approaches to teaching and learning work and don't work and understand the context and really be more intelligent about the things that they adopt into their schools.
Next, we spoke to Andy Samways, who shared not only his experiences as a participant on the Research Support Partnership, but how it went on to help him in his job role as director of a research school too. We came at the RSP uh, out of the research schools work that we've been doing with the Suffolk School to School Support Partnership. So it's been a really key piece of work for us as a partnership between the research school, Samuel Ward Academy Trust Research School and the Suffolk School to School Support Partnership in supporting a soft landing of evidence-informed practice within Suffolk. So from the experience of starting it, getting it going, and coming to an end point, I suppose, or a, a bridging point, as we are now at the end of the formal days. It's been a really formative process, which has educated, caused ref- significant reflection and professional learning, and also liberated thought and potential, I think, within the school's settings that we've been working with. So from our perspective, it's been a step into the unknown, but very much... Uh, an unknown with very clear support and guidance from Stuart and yourself in the latter stages that has led to some significant sustained professional learning. I also asked him what had changed in his thinking since he'd completed the programme. Personally, one of the key things was about initially um, positioning where evidence-informed practice sits alongside experience. So the sense that within school improvement... It's a, set, uh, a question of um, adding on to experience with evidence rather than evidence taking over from experience. And that sense of a, a very much a disciplined inquiry approach. Um, I think I've said before with in conversation that the sense around, I think in education, we're pretty good at spotting big things that need changing or need, 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 a, need considering more. But the sense of what I've come at from this end is the Russian doll actually getting smaller and smaller and smaller to isolate one particular piece to say that is something we can look at, that is something we can, with discipline, seek uh, better evidence about so that we can um, isolate and try and learn from what we're doing in a context. So first thing is around making specific uh, evidence generation. Second one is around the, the massive impact of um, implementation. And so those nine guidelines or nine key areas to consider around implementation has been, has been at the forefront of my mind in numerous situations, conversations, programs and um, activities with staff from initial teacher training through to MAT leadership. So that, was, that would be a, another key part that's been there. But also then the considering... The final piece is considering what it is to be evidence-informed and how you can be a critical consumer of evidence rather than just taking it or being alarmed by it. And finally, I asked Andy about his top three takeaways from the Research Support Partnership. Firstly, I'm far more confident to have conversation, discourse, present around evidence-informed practice in terms of origin, where it sits, where it might sit, the challenges and the opportunities. Secondly, that whole piece I mentioned earlier about implementation, it's caused me to think, what are the active ingredients in that which I'm doing on a daily basis? What is it that I've really got to make sure is in place before I even go there? 
um, and involving other colleagues in that. And thirdly, uh, it's been highlighting once again the power of network. And this is a network, this is a team that's evolved over four months or so, isn't it? And that the fact that this team's grown in strength, this particular team's grown in strength, but that team will change. So we've got to adapt and how might we adapt to maintain the links between this team. I'm determined it was a soft landing approach we wanted for the research school. And I think this is the next piece we're moving into is how can we sustain that? How can we evolve it so that the people who've contributed significantly you know, to the to the thinking around the programme um, as participants, how can they continue to get involved with the research school network that evolves within Suffolk? Next, we spoke to two more of the participants. You'll hear first from Eileen Allpress and secondly from Louise Everett, specifically on what they learned in the programme and the impact that it had on their roles as teachers and school leaders. I've been very excited to join the research partnership. I used to do a lot of work on a national level with the National Teacher Research Panel and this has sort of rekindled my interest in it. And also it's good to see how research has changed and now we're working much more on an evidence-based practical model and you can see it working more in schools. I've really learned to change my approach and my rigour using the evidence-based approach and learning more of the tools and learning more of the background terminology really helps because when you read a piece of research it's good to know what each part means and what it, how it implicates on your outcomes and what it could implicate on what you do. Then she spoke to me about the top three things that she took from the programme. I think it's learning about the processes, also learning how to investigate a piece of research in a more accurate way, because I think a lot of the time you tend to read the high notes and forget about all the other stuff that are underpinning it, and also to question validity of things. Okay. I think a lot of us accept, because it's got like a, a nice label on it or it comes from a, a good publication, it, you always have to accept it, but it's teaching me to actually question which is what we should be doing with the children. So the day I spoke to Eileen was the final day of the Research Support Partnership in Suffolk and I asked her about what had changed in her thinking over the course of the programme. Well, it's changed that Suffolk's approach to research is changing. Hopefully we'll be able to mobilise some change within schools because it's always been a valued part of my practice and I think I've not done as much as I'd like to recently but also it's nice to see it could be done with more rigour. I'm working more in a collaborative way as well because there were pockets of research going on but I don't think there was a joined up in the networking that will be and will in continue to increase because it's a way we're going to have to work. Because it's also very valuable that way to learn with each other. Um, so there's been a number of things that I've been able to learn um, and it's been a real steep learning curve um, in terms of where I started and, and how I thought about my leadership role and, and how I feel about it now and um, one of the key things is using far more evidence than we have done before um, and also being able to to sort out which evidence is going to be useful um, and really evaluate the things that we're reading and, and thinking about um, the quality um, of the evidence that we're, that we're looking at um, using things like the toolkit, um, but really de uh, delving deeper to have a look at the technical um, analysis section of it to really think about 
um, how we can apply the best possible solutions into our schools. Um, I've learned a lot about action research um, and trialling out things within your own school and ways to make that possible um, using uh, control and treatment groups, um, something that I never would have considered before. Um, So going through that process has been really, really useful um, and being able to think about how we could take that forward and share that information um, is good. As a school leader, it's made me really consider the things that we do in school and how we take as gospel that things are going to work because they've worked in other contexts or because there's evidence around it. Um, and it's shown the importance of, of trialling things within your own school to really see that it works with your children um, and your staff and uh, then really evaluating um, exactly what works so that you can take it forward or adapt it in some way so that you can really make it as successful as possible within your school. I asked Louise what she felt were the qualities involved in that and how she was going to incorporate that into her plans going forward. The ability to to really stop and think, um, to question. Um, I can think of examples over the past few months where people have come to me and said, let's try this, this is really going to work. Um, And I've stopped them and said, okay, is this really a problem? Do we really need to look at this? Is this the best possible solutions? Are there other things that we can look at? Um, So I think it's made my decisions and other decisions across the school far more considered than they have been um, in the past. Um, I think that's a culture that I can develop more across our school. Um, but also through um, the teaching school um, spread the knowledge that I now have um, so that there are other colleagues that we work with in other schools that can also develop the same approaches. Um, For example, we're going to be looking at marking and feedback not just across our school but running trials across several schools and then bringing the information back together so that across the variety of schools we can then really think about how we can move forward and change our policies across all of those schools um, with the results of of the the trials that that we run. And just the opportunity just to to really think about everything that we're doing um, in a lot more detail than we have done before. And finally, when we got back to the office, Sinead Flinders and Stuart Kime sat down and chatted very briefly about how Suffolk was identified as a potential area for this development and what EBE brought to the partnership to support critical thinking and long-term sustainable change. Hi, yep, uh, I'm Stuart Kime, Director of Education here at Evidence-Based Education. Thanks, Stuart. So I've got a few questions for you. How was Suffolk County identified as an area that could really benefit from a research support partnership? We were approached by Suffolk County Council, basically, I think, in light of a lot of work that they've been doing uh, with their Raising the Bar and Challenge Fund projects. They've been working with the EEF and others um, and, you know, were, were um, actually pretty well acquainted with 
kind of evidence-informed practice as a you know um, as an idea as a concept um, and um, but we're looking for something that would make it a little bit more concrete for teachers um, in schools around the county um, and so we had uh, lots of emails lots of phone calls lots of video calls and, and whatnot um, and um, and between us interestingly that what they were expressing as their kind of desired outcomes of teachers who were better able to make better decisions using better information was what we were really familiar with doing in terms of training people using the research support partnership as a, as a model. Um, so um, it was kind of music to my ears, to be honest with you, uh, because uh, it's, it's always really exciting to work with people who feel like they're really ready to make that, that next step. So that's how it all came about, really. Great. That sounds like you were really able to hit the ground running with that particular group. Yes, yeah, they were really, uh, they were ready for something, and they were a really, actually, a really great, enthusiastic group of people. It was wonderful. Yeah, uh, I've met some of them and spoken to some of them, in fact, and they spoke to me about uh, kind of some of the key themes that they felt that they took away from the program. Mm. One of the main ones was that they felt that they were more able to take time to be critical of ideas that were presented to them, whether that was through bits of research articles. Um, or from colleagues or managers. How does the RSP promote and support that? Um, you, you mentioned the word time there, and that's, I think, uh, such an important thing because I think with all of the work that we do, and I guess with any professional development, people are going to say, you know, well, where, where's the time come from this? And um, I'm always mindful um, in the design of programmes that we have to make them both effective and efficient. And, um, and so the, the design of the, um, the RSP um, has those two things in mind. And basically it anchors really, really firmly to um, the, you know, the, the EEF school improvement cycle. So it follows the steps of, um, of really looking at the context of your own school, looking at internal data, professional judgment, and identifying real issues, um, not just you know uh, the perceived issues or those um, which are brought to your attention by people simply shouting loudly in the staff room and what have you, but um, real issues um, uh, affecting student outcomes. And then we move from there to help people to kind of isolate those areas that they want to focus on and then look at the best available evidence that pertains to those. So if, for instance, in one school, it's maybe about improving um, you know, mathematics outcomes in another, it's about literacy outcomes, then um, we, you know, our, our role is to kind of guide people towards really good sources of information about those, but then also to teach them how to make sense out of it. Because, you know, a lot of academic research is, you know, stacked out with jargon and um, it's often quite impenetrable if you can get past, you know, the, the, um, the gatekeepers of, uh, of paywalls and others to, to actually get to it. Um, from that then, it's all about basing um, the, the design of an intervention that's uh, designed to address that, that kind of issue that was identified in step one. Um, but the, that design is based upon the, that best, based, best available evidence. I'll get my words out eventually. So that effectively what they're doing is, is to use that kind of slightly corny phrase, standing on the, on the shoulders of giants, of taking you know, robust evidence of what has worked somewhere else in some other context as a kind of best bet and saying, right, if we're going to do something, well, this gives us perhaps the, the, the kind of 
firmest footing for us to start from. And then we kind of guide people through into interleaving that with their own professional judgment and their knowledge of context, which is something that researchers never have. They design their intervention, um, they plan um, an evaluation, and um, generally that evaluation is a mini randomized control trial. We then focus on the, the key elements of implementation so that when their intervention is actually you know, put out there into the wild that um, they have both thought through some of the problems that, that might occur that might prevent it from um, really getting traction but also um, thought through ways of, of kind of monitoring that and you know ensuring that any changes that happen actually are tracked so that when they um, get to the point of saying you know this this thing uh, worked or didn't work or whatever um, that what that thing is is really clear no matter what changes have happened over time and the final step of it then is to help people to um, you know analyze their results and then to disseminate the information that they've got to get the word out there so that they're not just sitting on it and saying you know I've got some really useful information here but I'm, I don't know where to take it so we actively try and help them promote through all kinds of different channels at the heart of it is just really a very simple thing um, and it's in that split second when you make a decision about what to do next, what, what we're doing is questioning um, what information is uh, feeding into that decision and saying, can we find better, you know, uh, more robust, more relevant information to inform that professional decision? That's the long and the short of it, really. Leading on from that, some of the schools that you've worked with have said that they've already made observable changes. Mm. Um, what would you say about the participants' aims during the Suffolk County Research Support Partnership in terms of short-term and long-term goals? Hmm. Okay, so one of the, I think, um, the, the key um, outcomes there that was, that was sort of set out right from the start was that with the um, research school that, that um, came into being um, at Samuel Ward Academy, um, that there was a sort of... Um, if you like, a, 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 um, an environment in which the work of the research school would be really well received because there would be people in other schools who already had a bit of an understanding, you know, in, to, to some depth of what evidence-informed practice might look like. Um, and, and I think we achieved that. I think actually that, that happened really quite nicely um, with, um, with you know, people from the research school uh, coming on to the, um, the research support partnership. Um, and really getting a, a kind of nice cohesive group together there. So I think that's one of the sh sort of short-term aims, which uh, I think has been a success. Um, longer term, in terms of those kind of you know observable changes. Um, uh, interestingly, people have said I, I was talking to one participant, and um, early on in the um, in the in the program, she'd said, well, um, you know, she was a little concerned about the whole idea of. Uh, randomizing students to be either in the control group or the tr treatment group if you're going to do a, an intervention and uh, sorry an evaluation and um, and that was a real concern and you know so we talked about how you might think about that differently and you know the acceptability of doing it and fairness and all kinds of things like that but can now, I interrupt you just yeah. a second can you explain why that was a concern yeah yeah it's a concern for lots of people actually because um, where yeah, and for I guess for very um, sort of sane, sensible, and instinctive reasons that it just doesn't seem right often to 
give something to a group of students and to withhold it from others. Um, so to give a, you know a, this extra mathematics tutoring or whatever it might be, this intervention, um, to give it to those and not to give it to others. But really, I think that that kind of acceptability argument, and some, some people call it an ethical argument, others acceptability or fairness, it can be turned on its head in a way by simply saying, well, why are you doing an evaluation? What's the purpose of an evaluation? And if you've got to the point of doing it, then you know, really the only reason for doing it is because you don't know whether or not it works, whether it has a positive impact, no impact, negative impact. So then you have to question whether it's in fact ethical, fair, acceptable, just to roll this thing out with everybody with no mechanism in place to ascertain impact. Um, and so you know, following up this conversation on the final day, you know, I said, well, so what do you think about this now? And she said, well, you know, I get it now. I realise that this is different. And I thought, OK, I'm not I'm not going to stand for that. As it's, it sounds like, a, you know, you're telling me what I want to hear kind of, uh, kind of thing. So I said, well, look, you know, you can say the words, but truly, do you feel that you actually believe that? Do you do you feel that you have changed in some way or other? And she looked at me and she was really, really, you know, quite... Um, quite vehement about this that actually this was a change that had taken place in her in her thinking and actually with her that I, you could see a direct connection to the value of evaluation when um, we were able to put her um, data that she collected through the the calculator that we use the sort of um, the effect size calculator and whatnot and actually get a really clear visible sense of the effectiveness of the intervention that she put into place and it was really apparent then that she would only have known that had there been, as she had, a, a control group present to get that kind of sense of difference. So, um, but, you know, there are other things that are, you know, that I see changing and, you know, uh, um, in terms of teacher thinking um, and, and, and also in teacher practice. But where we're going to look next is to think about, well, what happens in, you know, three months, six months time? Are they still changed in terms of their approach to these things is it becoming a more uh, sustained part of of school life um and 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 then you know broadly trying to work out whether or not there are ways in which we can support um you know the use of evaluation more more thoroughly across the county it's a really exciting time i think for for suffolk they've got some really big uh, bold plans i think um and um but at a very kind of you know at the the, the level of schools the thing that I take away from, from this research support partnership actually was um, a really significant degree of um, inspiration and of and, and kind of it's quite humbling really to see these people who had dealt with the, the whole you know where's the time come from issue had really faced up to that um, and while it was you know it wasn't easy for them they'd done it um, and they'd shown themselves that it was entirely feasible um, to do these things and uh, you know to overcome the challenges along the way which is really good yes they were an absolutely wonderful bunch of people yeah yeah, yeah good fun yes thanks very much for that Stuart uh, I too am very excited about what happens next yeah um it was great to have that that explanation thank you no problem